Welcome to a very special presentation of the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. I'm George. And with us tonight is Deborah Voorhees, director, actress, writer, producer, cult icon. Did I hit them all? I think I hit them all. Thank you for joining us tonight, Deborah. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm terrific. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, this is your first visit to the remedial film class. Our standard format is to make our buddy George, who's never seen any movies, watch a movie that he should have seen 30 years ago. What the hell? (laughs) And then when he doesn't like it right away, which it's 50-50 or less. uh, It sometimes happens, yeah. Yeah. We fix him by uh, beating him over the head with all the context he was missing because he's never seen any other movies. And then sometimes, if that doesn't work, we call in Peter Weller uh, to directly address how stupid he is. <laughs> okay. And that works every time. Yes. Yeah. If we get the actor from the movie to correct George, he 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 goes kicking and screaming. Uh, good. Good. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got a little excited when you said a beating. I thought maybe you meant like with a baseball bat or something. That's way more fun than with just words. But okay, we'll go with that. Well, what can you expect of a horror director? You know, she always wants to see the blood. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it has to be practical. No, no oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, we brought you in here tonight because you have a very exciting movie coming out on October 22nd. Yeah, yeah I'm really thrilled about it. It's called 13 Fanboy, and it's about an obsessed fan who is stalking uh, the actors from Friday the 13th and also Halloween and beyond. Um, as you know, Dee Wallace is in it from E.T., Halloween, Cujo, um, The Howling. Um, mm. I mean, there's just so many. What film hasn't she been in is probably easier to list. <laughs> She's amazing. Uh, we've got Kane Hodder, who played Jason four times in the film. C.J. Graham, who played Jason in part six. We have Judy Aronson, Tracy Savage, myself. Um, we have uh, Laura Park Lincoln, Final Girl in Part 7. Uh, we have um, Jennifer Benko, from, also from 7. She played Tina, the younger self of Laura Park Lincoln mm-hmm. in the film. And we have also we have Ron Sloan, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Oh, we had a cameo from Carol Locatell, also from 5. So um, we are opening on October 22nd in select theaters across the U.S., as well as on about every major VOD platform you can think of, like Apple TV, iTunes, um, Comcast, you know, any kind of pay-per-view type of, um, you know, streaming group out there so um, we're super excited we don't have a date for our dvd releases yet but it'll be about two weeks after the um opening of the film i'm not two weeks i'm sorry two months after the opening now i couldn't be more excited for this movie when i first heard rumors that it was going to come together i think it was even was it pre-covid even the 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 initial indiegogo It was. Yes, it was pre-COVID. We definitely got slowed down because of COVID, but luckily we were finished filming. 
but we held our release because all the theaters were closed and it would just have been kind of a kiss of death for us. Yeah. So, um, but we're very excited about finally bringing this to everyone. I'm very excited because I'm the resident old guy. Like uh, George, George is in his mid thirties or early thirties. So is Dan. I'm 46. So you're the resident old guy. You yeah, are talking I'm... to the wrong <laughs> woman because I just I'm... turned 60. <laughs> oh, you look great. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a child of the eighties. So this kind of movie is, is basically the stuff we used to do in our backyard with, with our video, our VHS, the camcorders, we would go right? and make our own Jason movie or we would make our own, uh, you know, Myers movie and we would do all the kills and all stuff, stuff we wanted to see. And that's when I was reading about this movie, I was like, this is a, the ultimate fan service type movie where you're getting, uh, all the actors that we are all familiar with. Right. We love like Kane. <laughs> Kane comes up at least three or four times a, an episode for us. Uh, and CJ too. I, I love him. I, yeah. I've been going to con since I was 13. So I've met all these guys at, you know, weekend of horrors, Fangoria, uh, chiller, uh, monster mania. So I've, that's I've, wonderful. Yeah. I've been around them a lot. I love these guys. So I'm very excited about this. I think uh, one aspect of it that you might really like in this film is our fanboy. He came from an abusive background. And so mm -hmm. he was locked in his basement and his only, uh, friends he really had, uh, really became more family and that was he had the entire collection of the Friday the 13th and Halloween and right. so to him the characters became as family mm. and um, when he wrote to us he um, was deeply hurt when nobody responded back yeah. and he felt angry and felt rejected so I, I like stories that really deal with the, you know, the supposed bad guy, because usually there's something in their background um, that points to something that helped drive them that way. And sometimes it's, it's as simple as um, literally a brain deformation, such as, you know, not having a full frontal cortex. Is this a verb? I guess you can't give that away. I, I'm, I'm curious. I can't wait to see if it's a, you know, what choice of killer you have? Is it a verbal killer? Is it a, just a, 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 a shape, you know, that I can't wait, but I know you can't tell us, but I'm excited. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, it is, I can tell you that it is a thriller. It's a horror movie and it's a whodunit. Nice. Ooh, now see that uh, gets Dan back into the conversation. I am the resident nerd uh, from those weird seventies, uh, giallo the the italian slashers that came before the the 80 slashers in america and they're all right. mostly whodunits and so right. i'm i was on board before but now i'm like for, i'm in the front of the line and i cheated to get here <laughs> i was so excited that kind of thing oh that is so cool i'm so glad to hear that yeah, i love whodunits too i really do because i want to be guessing Exactly. Yeah. You know? and, I, and it's not that I can't appreciate a film that's not a whodunit, like um, Cape Fear. It's absolutely magnificently done, but there is that, it has that intense terror going on the whole time that they managed to sustain even without the whodunit. But I, I am a huge fan of the whodunits. Nice. Now, I heard you uh, speak about um, practical effects. For yes. This, and you're not doing any CGI. Correct. Um, who, 
is it a, a named person or or a studio that's coming to do the effects or is it a... absolutely um nora hewitt okay she was the um she was actually the protege to tom savini he's the one who suggested her to us and um she also is um if you'll remember face off which is the tv show that yes. you would pit the um special effects artists together for in competition was she won season nine okay. and then um she also brought on um another competitor from the same season and her name's make wilbur yes and yeah. so the two of them did our special effects awesome yeah I'm, i was excited about that because when i was a young boy i i was the weirdo that had a picture of tom savini on my wall so friend of the show friend, friend of, of the show, show. yeah yeah that like I, is so fantastic i loved him i loved uh jeff yeager uh nicotero like they were they were my sports heroes so to hear that right. you, you took one or you got one of his proteges is awesome and i watched that show religiously so that's exciting as well isn't it a great show oh i miss it <laughs> yeah now deborah i'm looking at the cast list i'm seeing you know you are the director the writer you've got a female special effects crew mm -hmm. have you had time since you said it's been completed a while have you had time to reflect on how the female voice affects this movie like what what different nuanced perspective you've brought say versus like a, a dario argento or somebody you know from the male perspective writing from you know uh, male production studio, male special effects. Uh, have you had time to reflect on how much uh, this change in perspective, this different perspective than what, what we're used to in Hollywood has really added to your film? I don't know how to answer that. It's a really good question, though. Um, I think that, I mean, my producing partner and my co-writer is, is um, Joel Paul Reisek. So I do think that we had influences from both. Is it a different movie than what Joel would have done without me? Absolutely. Does it change because I have a vagina versus his penis? I don't <laughs> know. It maybe, maybe. Um, I know that there were a couple times like, okay, here's an example of something that um, happened where we're on the, we're doing the Indiegogo video. And um, there's a spot where this young lady is supposed to slip off her underwear and um, dive naked into, jump naked into some, you know, deep, dark water. And, um, and so I said something about, yeah, I don't, I, we were having some trouble with Cameron and uh, some issues and I had everything I needed about one shot. I wanted to get the one, you know, with just her taking her panties off of her feet. And when it wasn't looking like it was going to work, I was like, it's okay. We're going. And I heard audible gasp from the men and they're like, Oh, you can't miss that shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's iconic. It's a trope. <laughs> and I just started laughing because I was like, okay we're going to work a little harder and get you guys this shot. Cause to me, it just looks like dirty underwear. Mm, no. <laughs> and they started laughing. Oh, don't ruin it for us. Hey, Spielberg so, did it in Jaws, I, I believe. Know, <laughs> clearly there are some differences, 
But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. Some people ask me what it's like to be a, a woman in horror. I don't really look at it that way. I am a director in horror. I love horror, but um, it doesn't, you know, I don't think of it in terms of male-female roles. Mm. But that clearly is a difference that I didn't pick up, but I got quite the chuckle seeing, listening to the guys because I literally heard the guys go, <gasps> <laughs> Well, that that came up in our episode for Scream because we were talking about how some of the dialogue was awkward for the female characters, and we were right. We, we spent what twenty minutes talking about uh, Kevin Williamson's writing of Sydney, and some of the things that she says is kind of straight out of a guy's mind, and maybe he should have asked what a girl would have said. Maybe he should have consulted. Yeah. Yeah. He could have so, talked to any women ever to find out that yeah. women don't <laughs> talk like that. Right. Yeah. It was like you're in a boys' locker room sometimes when she talks. So. It, right. There's definitely a great balance, and when you have you know two people work, working uh, all cylinders and they're right. two opposite sexes, you do get both inputs, which is good. Right. Right. I agree. Hmm. Now I'm excited about uh, um, uh, D. Wallace because she's kind of like my mom. She is so amazing to work with, yeah. I have to say, as a director. Um, it is a great honor for me to direct her. And I actually um, was in a couple of scenes with her, too, which was, you know, just pretty much amazing. And um, just a super kind, um, loving, very giving person. I was pretty mm. nervous um, about acting after so many years because you know i left hollywood and i became a journalist i worked with the dallas morning news i got my college education i worked with the fort Worth telegram and some magazines and i taught i went and started teaching british literature and different things before i got back into filmmaking again and so it had been a while i hadn't practiced my chops i hadn't really worked on it and um you know, she's uh, a very generous and kind person to work across from as an actor as well. And she'll give you everything you need to see you through the scene, mm. which is really wonderful. Yeah, I would cast her. In, if I were directing, I would cast her in everything. But yeah, she's she's, she's so she's versatile. Wonderful. She's the yeah. fifth oh, member yeah. of your is predator it's... team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she would be my Schwarzenegger, definitely. <laughs> They're in the team. <laughs> but you, like, like you think about it, like I, the first movie I ever saw in the theater was E.T. And then, you know, you have The Howling and Cujo and uh, uh, just everything that she's done over through the 80s and the 90s. And then she like she pops up in this movie. And you're like, oh, my God, I love, she's like a character actor, but she plays herself. But she can also play all kinds of different emotions. But then she can be she can be like hard ass. She could be sweet. So, yeah, she's kind of perfect. Yeah, she is. I totally agree with that. Now you touched on uh, the fact that you left Hollywood. You you came back. What was it that brought you back? Was it the story that brought you back, or did you have an opportunity, and the well, story came actually, from it? Yeah, I had actually started um, uh, back in filmmaking about ten years ago. Um, I actually when I started teaching, I didn't really think about what it would mean to be naked in Friday the 13th. Cause for me, it was so long ago. It wasn't a complete non-issue. It wasn't anything I really even thought about. Um, but, uh, the kids rec recognized me and word got around pretty quickly. <laughs> and, um, so I ended up getting thrown out of two high schools. 
and uh, wasn't able to um, teach. Nobody had any problem with the violence in the film, but they were quite upset that um, there was nudity in it, which I found to be quite ironic. Hmm. But um, I could have at least respected their reasoning if they were worried about, um, you know, the violence end of it. But um, worrying about nudity, I thought was really very silly. But nonetheless, that's what it was. And but it, it was a good thing, honestly, because now I am doing going I'm back in the film industry, which is where I belong. And I love being on the other side of the camera. I had a blast being in front of the camera for this one, too. But um, being um, behind the camera is absolutely 100% my passion. I've, I've done a, a couple other films. And um, the first one basically was my getting my chops up. It was um, my film school, which is called Billy Shakespeare, which is about you know, what if William Shakespeare was not born until now mm. and uh, how he would be received in Hollywood. And um, that one was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And then I started doing a lot of music videos and shorts and different things like that. And then I partnered up with Joel Paul Reisick and we started talking about another project and um, then he and I came up with this idea together and um, decided that this is where we need to go. And a lot of it was answering fans because um, so many of the horror fans that I've gotten to know at conventions and online and stuff desperately wanted something with their cast members and I couldn't really go out and make a Friday the 13th movie because who even owns the rights right. and Good plus question. getting the rights would be very very expensive and so most of their ideas revolved around doing something in the Friday the 13th universe and I didn't want to do a fan film either because I want to make movies that make money so I can make more movies if I don't right. make money I don't make more movies and so this idea where um, we're talking about people who are playing themselves, so they're, they're actors using their own names and they are actors from the series, that is something we can do outside of the Friday the 13th universe. We don't have Jason in this. We have Fanboy. Right. And for me, it's a much scarier concept because we're talking about something that could actually happen. Yeah. You know, not many of us, we love the scary horror movies and the jump scares and this and that. And, um, but we don't really worry when you go out to the parking lot that Jason is really going to come up out of the grave and come and get us. But... This is actually can happen. And so I think this adds a an extra layer of fear. And the mere fact that people are playing themselves in the film um, is a, a whole new way of doing it. And it's nothing like Nightmare on Elm Street's um, take on it. It's completely yeah. different. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was, I'm surprised that this idea hasn't been done more because it can take you anywhere. And I mm -hmm. remember them doing it with Nightmare, and it was, it was uh, suffered the the '90s stigma 
where they were just kind of there were certain things that just weren't working but they pushed through it and they did it instead of fixing it uh, right but yeah it, it was neat to see the actors play themselves but yeah there were there were definitely things that weren't thought out so i'm assuming you probably thought them out perfectly so we'll see I think I have. <laughs> well, and, and it's not, it's not, uh, you know, something that's pulling the two things together. Right. This are, these are the, the actual actors, not right. a character in a film, whereas they were mixing the two. Yeah. You mentioned Cape Fear. So that kind of intrigues me because I, you know, the fan mentality is, is like you said, could happen tomorrow. Right. Right. I think the uh, I think it has happened. Yeah, hasn't many it? times. I I'm, mean, I'm sure. Isn't one of the actresses in this movie? Didn't she have an actual experience? Well, we actually, believe it or not, we had three. Three. Um, one. Well, actually, one of them didn't end up. We did invite Adrian King, but she had some pretty um, severe circumstances okay. uh, that made the film too uncomfortable for her, and so um, she bowed out. However, um, Lark Park Lincoln was stalked for six and a half years, and she's in the film, and Judy Aronson had a stalker. Wow. Um, only um, Lars, though, had to do with Friday the 13th. The other stalkers had one with Judy had to do with the TV show she was doing with Aaron Spelling, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, Adrian King's was actually different, too. But... Um, she they the stalker did find her through Friday the thirteenth, but it was not necessarily related to Friday the thirteenth. Gotcha. So a note for George, uh, when we eventually get around to watching Tenebrae, I want you to remember this conversation. Uh, because okay. the experiences that these actresses are having with their stalkers can lead to a movie like Thirteen Fanboy where Argento had a very similar experience and it led to Tenebrae. And when you've seen both movies, I think you're going to see a clear dichotomy in how he handled it versus how this movie handles it. And I can't wait. I can't wait to yeah. show you that movie too. Okay. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm excited about this one. Now, George, are you excited for 13 Fanboy? Have we sold you? Have we built up your anticipation enough? Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Dan, it, it's, it feels like it could be like a biography of your life. <laughs> Except you know? for the stalking and killing yeah. part, right? Like, right. I mean, well, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I haven't, haven't seen the movie yet. Um, okay. but you do, Good. you do hang out in the basement a lot. Uh, <laughs> you're a huge fan of, uh, Friday the 13th and movies that no one else has seen and movies no one else has seen. <laughs> and I don't know anyone that is as close to these uh, characters as you. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see you portrayed on the uh, on the silver screen. I'm a little scared <laughs> of myself because I have a VHS collection. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like Travis. Travis has actually been arrested for reenacting. <sighs> no, scenes I was brought home <laughs> by the cops. I was not arrested. Yeah, we don't have to tell that story. It's on tape. If you want to listen to it at some point, yeah. uh, I'll send Halloween you the link. Episode. It's it's pretty silly. Uh, I was 14 and I walked around as Michael Myers and I didn't know you couldn't take a kitchen knife outside. Make better choices, <laughs> Travis. Make better Make choices. Make better choices, yes. <laughs> Dumbass. Oh, how funny. 
Can I ask you, just for my own satisfaction, a couple of questions about your your work in the 80s? Sure. Appointment with Fear. I'm still waiting Mm -hmm. on a Blu-ray release. Uh, Did you have any direct (laughs) interaction with Mustafa Akkad? Do I have any a direct one? Did you did you get to work with Mustafa Akkad uh, directly at all? Because after we lost him, I've been trying to collect any stories I can from when he was still with us. I don't think I have anything that I could share with you on that. No, no. But I did really enjoy um, working on that film. It was a lot of fun. And was that what was your? Because you've got uh, three films in '85, and I don't really have a, a good idea of the uh, chronology. You're in Friday Five at some point, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Avenging Angel, which is now alive right. and well on Blu-ray, Vinegar Syndrome has oh, wow. brought that to a whole new generation of wow. viewers. That's that's a blast from the past. That well, and the video quality is insane. Like the work that the love that Vinegar Syndrome put into that Blu-ray. I mean, it's. It's, it's special. They managed to have really good quality with it. I haven't seen it on the Blu-ray. It looks really good. It's shockingly good. It looks like it was filmed in the past 10 years because that 35 millimeter really? cleans up real nice. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. Wow, it, so that's interesting. I didn't think I'd be selling Deborah Voorhees on buying this Blu-ray, but you should totally check it out. It's real good. Uh, <laughs> Neat. But then, I'm going to go get it. Too. You know, Friday Five is maybe the most controversial Jason movie of the eighties, right? We, the nineties get really wonky uh, for Jason, yeah. but uh, I mean, we, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room. You kind of hinted towards it a little bit, Deborah. do you mind? I just have to ask. And, and it's because if I don't, my friends will say you talked to Deborah Voorhees and he didn't ask her. <laughs> You're running through the, running through the field. And I guess it's like the edge of the woods. And the guy says, Watch the dirt. Watch the dirt. How did you stay in character? I have to know. <laughs> That's my favorite line in that. Well, okay. Second, crap my ass is the funniest line in any of the Jason movies. But other than crap my ass, watch the dirt is insane. And you don't, you, you don't break. How did you not break? Was that rehearsed or was that all off the cuff from him? Um, You know, I can just say I'm a brilliant actress and I don't know why I didn't win an Academy Award. Here's the thing. <laughs> if more people focused on that scene for the Watch the Dirt, you might have been mm-hmm. nominated. Like I have Exactly. I think I've you're seen right. Some, I think that was sorely missed. And I'm miffed about that. I have seen some <laughs> improv in my days. And your ability to just yes and and keep moving. I mean, <laughs> that sells me on 13 Fanboy right away. I don't even need there to see the trailer. Brilliant, wasn't it? My goodness. I'm telling you. And you, you should send her the link for that video that the that band did. Well, yeah, and did you see the, the, the performance coming out of the cop car? Come on. How was I missed? <laughs> it's, Come on. I mean, that, that was movie. just pure gold, wasn't it? Friday Five yeah. is so infamous for great reasons uh we've spoiled the heck out of it in our friday five episode uh yes. so everybody probably knows the big twist but again that's a whodunit right that is a return to form they're going for a, a giallo feel if you will uh way underrated uh overhated i would say for for certain reasons uh but well, you know i have to say though that is really more a thing of the past and i i honestly didn't even know that that was um an issue until you know 
it, it's been several years now, but it was the movie had been out a long time before I even knew it was an issue. Uh, because I had never experienced anything negative with fans saying anything negative at all. Uh, so I, you know, I know it was an issue for um, a certain number of fans, but if you look at it realistically, the movie made good money. The um, It has some of the best kills in the franchise. It mm -hmm. goes back to the original film. It's in keeping with that film more than any other one because they're both about bereaved parents who are, um, you know, responding in an irrational way by killing people who really didn't have anything real to do with their child's death. And so um, I think it fits in quite well. I think you really had just a certain group of extremely vocal people, but I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, this is their favorite film. How many people come up and say, you know, at one time, yeah, I was kind of a, you know, a butthead about this, but you know, I went back and watched it and now it's my favorite. It actually so. aged well. It aged well. Cause especially nowadays, it's like the, the, the time of cover bands. And mm -hmm. Like Roy Jason is the ultimate cover band in, <laughs> in horror movies like he, he's a he, cover killer yeah he killed he killed he's one of my favorite jasons and he's not even jason like right just, and they do the whole pov from the first movie where you don't really see the killer till the end so it's like yeah it's it's an homage to the original right um, they tried and he's something just a really nice guy too hmm. well in the danny steinman catalog has really i think blu-ray has done a lot for him and it's it's a shame mm -hmm. he's not with us to see so much of it. But uh, Savage Streets, I mean, these movies, you can't make them today, right? It's just, it's a different right. world. But that just makes them age so much better because they are of a time. And I mean, she shoots people with a crossbow. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. It's a shame he didn't get to do more. I would have liked to see his Friday 6. I mean, I love Friday 6, but I would like to see Steinman's mm -hmm. Friday 6. I think it'd be vastly different right i imagine it would be now one thing travis wanted me to bring up and i'm going to blame him because uh, he brought it up and then moved on uh yeah travis uh, <laughs> have you been made aware of uh a song called wolfie's just fine a new oh, beginning yes. okay mm -hmm. what is your take on that because of all the people in the world who would be interested uh, i need to know what is Deborah Voorhees think about that video? I think that it was absolutely brilliantly done. I think the concept belongs in a full fledged movie of its own, mm. of a kid and his experiences like that. Um, and I was deeply, deeply honored to be a part of it. I had the pleasure of meeting um, uh, Jean Lejoy and um, you know, most of you know he was pro he was on the um, show called The League. He played the role of Taco for like twelve years, and he's <laughs> an absolute brilliant comedian as well as songwriter and musician. And um, so, yeah, I'm deeply honored by it and absolutely adored. And that young kid who plays basically plays him. He talked to me and told me some about his upbringing. And um, 
he had um, a very religious family and um, it's really about, you know, what he went through. And I think it's brilliant. Yes. It's my story too. I mean, I think so many of us, I like, it's funny because when I showed Wolfie's Just Fine, A New Beginning, I'm going to say the whole name because it's so awesome. Everybody needs to Google it. Uh, I showed it to George during our Friday Five episode. And I said, listen, you need to understand, you may not understand the feelings this kid is showing, but this video like makes me feel things that aren't fun. Like it, it mm-hmm. takes me, it's like a PTSD flashback to third grade, you know, with a pirated VHS tape from my scary neighbor who taped it off HBO, seeing scary movies that I should not be watching. Like, right. this is us. This is, you know, and kids today with YouTube and all these things that give you so much democratized access to things that have way less control than they used to. They're never going to experience it like that. But kids of the eighties and nineties, there are many of us who had that exact life. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I do. I think that so many, um, I ended up art actually Jean Lejoy ended up getting a message from Edgar Wright. Um, you know, baby, he's the director from baby driver and, um, Shaun of the dead and stuff. And he was, uh, he said that was his experience and um, it ended up uh, that he was a fan of mine. And it was like, um, John, John, yeah, come on, introduce me. <laughs> and so I had the pleasure of uh, visiting and chatting with him on the phone as well. So it, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah, Edgar Wright is, uh, I think, an... Un, unequal genius uh isn't like, he brilliant at that tier of mainstream that's the thing i can't get over is he's one of us right but somehow other people like him too and he makes a lot of money so i don't know what his right. trick is but he's doing the things that we all want to be making right he is Shaun of the dead my god right. hot fuzz my god like and i hear that his new movie might be kind of a shallow and it's like he gets to make Jalos now? Like, why doesn't everybody who's like us get what he gets? I don't get it. It's, I'm envious, guys. I'm a little bit envious. That's awesome. What's the, um, what's the future for the, is this going to be like kind of a franchise or you, do you already have projects in the queue? I, I definitely have, um, some different ideas that I'd like to do. Um, I have a ghost story that we're working on right now. And, um, yes, if this does well with the fans and they love it, uh, they will definitely see another one. Hmm. Carpenter followed up Halloween with a ghost story. Yep. So look at, how look many at uh, how many copies do I need to buy to ensure that this happens? <laughs> like right well, I mean, I, that's a very good question. <laughs> I'm not against manipulating the market, is what I'm saying. Yeah, right. You know, I like a man like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm selfishly thinking I I missed out on the Indiegogo uh, promotion where I could send in an audition tape, so. You know, I'm just looking forward to other projects that I can send you a tape. <laughs> awesome. I would love to hear from and you. And artwork. And artwork. Yep. And artwork. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the things that I really wanted with this film. I mean, this was a film for fans. And so um, that's why I did the Indiegogo, was to give everybody a chance. And that's why I had fans, you know, send in artwork. I had them send in their music. I had them... Um, you know, audition. 
and um, you know, on and on. I tried to find different ways to include the fans in everything um, as much as I could. And um, if you go and you look at our um, our uh, trailer, there are actually quite a few fans just right there in that trailer that you know came out and were a part of this. So I think that's pretty freaking cool. Yes. Where, where did you film it? In California? Mostly in Rio Doso, New Mexico. Okay. Um, it's all in the Lincoln County area of New Mexico. It's really beautiful here. It's in the mountains. And um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a gorgeous place. Sweet. I'll have to look at a map. Yeah, we can see where that's at. <laughs> We're big on geography on this yeah. show because we we live about four minutes from Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is basically and, where Deborah Hill and about four grew minutes up. from Voorhees, from New Voorhees, Jersey. New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, how uh, neat! Yeah. Yep. So uh, Deborah Hill lived in Haddonfield, and she when she wrote Halloween, she based it on the town that we trick or treat in every year with our kids. Yep. So that is so yeah. cool. <laughs> so we talk about geography a lot when it when it comes mm -hmm. up maps and yeah we have like a song for whenever song. we bring up maps yeah <laughs> the Dora explorer fun. map song we never did actually get the song but yeah, it had been discussed uh in just about every episode because it just keeps happening okay. our timing is really unique here because the last episode that published on our feed was actually john carpenter's the fog so mm. we talk about carpenter following a, a slasher with a ghost story because that's i mean that's literally where all our heads were a week ago and then next week we have mm -hmm. halloween three the Friday the 13th part five of the Halloween movies, right? The controversial one that splits the crowd between the vocal angry people and the quiet, happy, loving the best movie in the franchise uh, people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stop it. See, even Deborah doesn't agree with you, Dan. <laughs> Her no, laugh is I, genuine. I agree. <laughs> yeah, we, we may have spent an hour and 45 minutes last night, uh, with me desperately dying on the hill, trying to convince both these jokers that Halloween three has artistic merit. Well, there you go. It was worth it. It was good. Worth it. Well, we promised you a half hour. You've given us more than that. I, I can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time. We cannot wait for this film. Uh, we are going to publish this interview the day before it comes out. And we are going to hit our socials hard so that our fans know that we can't wait for 13 fanboy. I so appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Also, uh, Travis is ready for 14 fangirl whenever, you know, his people will call <laughs> your people. However that goes. It will yeah. never change from 13. However, right. we can do a part two because I, I, you just cannot have a 14. No, that doesn't work. That's true. It's a, just a comedy. You've got to have that unlucky number, which is my lucky number. Hence, when they made Saturday the 14th, that thing ended up straight to the <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun, but it is definitely <laughs> the comic end of uh, it, you know? It's the airplane version of exactly the Adams exactly. family. Like, it was just weird. That movie was out there. And... I, I also love the number 13. I Even before I ever saw any uh any jason movies right uh, 13 was always like the number they gave everyone like the heebie-jeebies and i just enjoyed that right. so much so that i um all, all the important things that happened in my life happened on the 13th like 
you know, uh, dating my now wife, getting married to my now wife. All of these things happened on the 13th. Oh, Your no. daughter's going to be 13 one day. Yeah, she'll be 13 one day. That's true. <laughs> we might be reaching a bit now for inspiration. Yeah, right. like, like, you know how, like, when you step into an elevator and you see the buttons and it's like 12, yeah. 14. Like, like, why isn't there a 13th floor? What's going on in like, the 13th floor? This is floor? really, yeah. like, this is really a thing. People are really creeped out about 13. I, I love know. it. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for this movie because when. Uh, when we were watching all the Friday movies, Dan would always ask me, where do you think we're going from here, George? Mm. Right? Because he was always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of my, you know, I was just, I'm guessing, right? Because I haven't seen anything. One of the things I, I proposed was that the, you know, even though, you know, say Jason's dead, it could still continue if you had, you know, like, a person theoretically that was kind of like predisposed to this and you know and and you know Through kind of like kind PTSD. of like a, kind of like a copycat or right. someone who had like a uh you know anyway the character um tommy jarvis well after after uh the fourth um what is it called the final chapter mm -hmm. um i absolutely thought that tommy jason was gonna be a thing right um, Hashtag Tommy Jason. because he was he had that you know obviously that he had that you know predisposition to for that kind of stuff and right. and the traumatic experience and they were building and up to it even in yeah. part five they were like oh this is gonna happen and yeah which is did. yeah which is why I think everyone was pissed off about part five but you know it is what it is but this this character thirteen fanboy is sounds like it's gonna be you that, know that yeah. you know my my theory of where you know Friday the Thirteenth could have gone. So, right. That's exciting. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the truth is, is that Jason has been supposedly dead since the first one. So he's somehow or another became an undead as a child and somehow managed to grow into an adult. So realism doesn't necessarily have to play into it if they ever want to make another Friday the 13th film. But um, meanwhile, I'll be playing in my own playground and having mm. fun there. Can I tell nice. you one of my uh, favorite theories on the Friday series that always gets me very, very nasty looks from the hardcore fans? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so sure. Jason dies in part one. And then mm -hmm. in part two, an individual rumored to be Jason begins murdering people. But he doesn't have a driver's license. We don't see a birth certificate. And when she says, you know, Jason, mother is talking to you, he cocks his head like Michael Myers. Or maybe he's like, this lady thinks my name is Jason? Jason's been dead for 15 years. And then he looks so different the next day in part three. I'm thinking that this is like Jason's cousins, you know, his Maybe his brothers, uh, and then the skinny one gets I killed, would... and the big burly guy shows up, and we just assume was these it... people are Jason. What was it Bart right. Voorhees? We, Bart. we postulated. Yeah. Well, in the in the remake, they retcon it, and they basically show him that he didn't drown. So then they kind of basically say mm. he's not dead. Mm. Right. He's never undead. Cop like, out. He's not the zombie. Jason. That's a cop out. It's a cop out. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that's all they have to pretty much do is either bringing him up out of the ground or say he's not dead or that something else happened. I mean, hey, it's called movie magic, and yeah. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what's always been cool is he's the campfire story. Mm -hmm. So the uh, story that I would like to see done that I think would be really interesting uh, would be in, in the Friday the 13th realm is the um, his beginning story. Yeah. What he went through as a child um, with his parents and, you know, take us into maybe some of the first early kills, not anything that we've currently seen, but something that would be more unexpected that we didn't know about yet. To me, that once again gives us a real look at um, the killer as opposed to just writing him off as, you know, evil, but to let us see why he became what he um what he became yes his origin story i would want to see i was not happy with the seeing a myers origin story because i always felt like what rob zombie did was almost change the character like mm -hmm. i love the i love the fact that michael myers was in a stable home two parents happy but he still killed his it sister. Should have been happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. basically, he didn't come up in this wackadoo house where you know his mom was this and his dad was yeah, his he wasn't stepdad drunk and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do <laughs> agree. I like that story better. That to me makes it more intense. Is you know having him as um, you know the brother like that. Yeah. Um, you know, in his particular case, it probably literally is you know um, missing part of his cerebral cortex right you know because without that you um you don't have that conscience there right to tell you the difference between right and wrong i mean yes the person may still need to be stopped and uh, but it's hard not to have some empathy for someone i mean you have empathy if somebody is you know missing an arm or a leg but missing a part of your brain can um you know, I can't imagine what horrific world they have to live in without right. that. Wow. But you kind of point out, like, the origin of Jason you're kind of doing with the origin of uh, 13 Fanboy. Right. You're, you're showing his childhood or at least mm -hmm. his adolescence, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and his what his parents did to him and the PTSD of that environment and the, the punishment and the, the seclusion and the... You know, the, you know, we don't go into a whole lot of detail. That definitely leaves the door open for us right. to experiment with it. But we do get into, you know, the the knowledge of this is, you know, um, this is how his life began. But I think we still have definitely have room for a true origin story for um, 13 Fanboy. Nice. Now, how, how much is uh, Feldman in it? Is he a cameo or is he actually a... He's, he's definitely more than a cameo. Okay, he good. is not one of the leads, but he would be what's considered a feature role. And um, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite hysterical. He's um, definitely comic relief and um, loads of fun. Awesome. He is the one character, though, who does not play himself. Everybody else does. He's playing a character which is um, a creepy producer. It made more sense for him not to to play himself since that doesn't really have anything to do with them each right. of the characters i want them to have something about them that reflected who they were in real life and um you know that character didn't fit him at all so right. it made more sense for him not to play himself plus he's an he's always been an open book so it's kind of 
how how do you refilm basically everything we've seen and know already? Right. Mm. No, I'm excited to see him as well. Great. Yeah, no, he's very good in it. He really is. Well, at the beginning of this uh, interview, I knew that I was supposed to be excited for this movie. <laughs> and uh, now I am. Awesome. Oh, and I'm I know so why. Well, so, thank you. That's good. We and thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys. I really do appreciate it. I um, I am very excited about this film, and so thank you guys for everything. And um, if you, I don't know if you need it or not, but I can um, send you a list of where it's playing oh, cool. and um, where you can get it. I mean, just about every VOD in demand kind of outlet. Um, we've got a bunch of them that will be in. So. Very good. That'll be Very great. Exciting. We'll include that in the post when we share this interview because we have a, a dedicated group of fans who just, I mean, they keep downloading the same Friday the 13th episodes over and over again, which is wonderful uh, that a year later, right. they're still our most popular episodes. Uh, so I know we've got a built-in group of people that are going to be shelling out those uh, VOD dollars and hopefully heading out to a theater near them if they're lucky enough to be at, a, at an area where they can go do so because my goodness... This is, I, I can't think of a movie that hits all the right notes for me and for our, our fan base. Like this one, I mean, ever? I mean, this is for us. <laughs> you did this for us. You didn't do this for you. I mean, yeah. you did it for you too, I'm sure. But like, nobody no, makes movies for, for us. I really amazing. did. I actually did do it for you guys. It's true. Now we just have to show up and make it viable yeah. to do now some more Now we have to do it for you. For us. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Now we have to do our part. Yeah, we do our part. That's right. It's up to you guys now. I'm releasing it October 22nd. It's out of my hands. It's up to you guys. We can't Well, just remember, mostly every movie that became iconic, it it did have to walk a little bit before it ran. So we're This is true. Yeah. This is true. Sometimes movies don't get the the reception that's supposed to and then all of a sudden like back then it was the but the, this the one rental. will this one will because it's a <laughs> it's a, it's a fan service movie and those do really well but yeah. it's like you you expect certain things but sometimes it gets legs a little later and then before you know it you're like oh my gosh this thing's taken off and we were we were nervous but why because yeah. the right. content is perfect so it should right. be fine no you're right it does um you know sometimes there's a snowball effect that has to happen um, but, um, you know, hopefully we will, since we don't have a huge, um, advertising budget, we do have some, but, uh, we don't have a huge one like the studios do. Right. Um, it'll may take a little longer to get the word out, but we are being featured in a lot of our VOD, VOD platforms that will help us out a bunch. Um, so uh, just getting people aware of the film. I feel like as once people become aware of the film, we will find our audience and um, we'll have a good audience. Well, I just went to Monster Mania and I couldn't even walk in the place. So your audience has probably found you already. They're just waiting for the release. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're good people. And you know that because you, you, I've seen you give interviews about the convention crowd. So they're. Yeah, no, they're wonderful. They're, lo- they're so lo- much fun. Well, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, this is the most exciting thing we've done all year. And now we get to see the movie, which will pay it all off now. 
Well, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. And we would love to have you back next October to do a, hey, everybody's <laughs> yeah. seen it now, so let's talk about it kind of situation if, if you've got the time. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. See you. <laughs>